Well, up and ready, right? Rise and shine. Rise and shine with the daily answer. Thanks for tuning in. Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 1, beloved, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Yeah, it just, does, just happens to be the second letter. We have two letters. And the purpose of the letter is to stir them up and to help them remember. Because one of man's tendencies is to forget. To remember the words and, and what to remember. A lot of people remember things that don't matter. Uh, wisdom is the ability to know what to get rid of, what to clean out, what to get rid of in the garage, what to get rid of in your head. To remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment. The word commandment there is probably being used as a singular, but to refer to all the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. There were prophets in the Old Testament that God spoke through and everything they said was true and was fulfilled. And then Jesus is the Father's final spokesman, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus has spoken and delivered his message through the apostles. And they wrote the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. What I write, what I write, I write the commandment of the Lord. Remember, remember what the apostles have written because it's all true. And then he's going to key in on one thing. Remember this. Know this first of all of primary importance. That in the last days, and it has been the last days since the church was established, it has been the last days since Acts chapter 2, and you will find that in about verse 16. The last period of time on the earth, the last dispensation, the last covenant. After this, it's judgment. In the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. Uh, they will make fun of Jesus or God or the Bible. They will seek to ridicule it. They might, call, they might call it antiquated, backward. They might call it dark ages. Do they have an argument? Peter says, following after their own lusts. Ah, this isn't about an intellectual pursuit. This is not about science. This is not about facts. This is about keeping their favorite sin. Their mockery, their arguments, their worldview is grounded in what they want to do. At the end of the day, their loyalty is not the truth. Honesty, being objective. Their loyalty is to their own lusts. At any cost, at any cost, they will defend what they selfishly want to do. And they will seek to ridicule anyone who says otherwise. Mm, motivation. Always interesting to me when someone falls away and says, well, I don't believe that anymore. It's like, oh, how convenient. How convenient that just suddenly, coincidentally, that 
your new beliefs match your new lifestyle. Isn't that convenient? Yeah, following after their own lusts. Well, I don't believe that anymore. Okay, my question would be, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to do that's forbidden? Because that's what it sounds like to me. What are you trying to hide? What are you trying to cloak and cover? Here's what the mockers say. Where is the promise of his coming? Jesus said he was going to come again. It's been decades since he made that promise. Maybe it's been centuries. Forever since the fathers, their ancestors fell asleep or died. All things continued just as they were from the beginning of creation. The inference being that God has God has never intervened. You know, if there is a God who's just kind of wound it up like a clock, but never really done anything about it, and God is never going to intervene in the future, and God has never intervened in the past, and everything just kind of clicks along, as it always has been, with really no disturbances. I think that's the fundamental premise of many evolutionists. You know, that kind of the same processes at the same rate have kind of gone on throughout time. And there's really no, been no sort of interventions. Really? When they maintain this, that is that God has never intervened, it escapes their notice almost willfully. That by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Oh, God has never intervened. What about creation? What about the book of Genesis? You might say, I don't believe that. I'm an evolutionist. So, So something came from nothing. Is that scientific? And life came from non-life. Is that scientific? Man, that's a couple of big hurdles, my friend. You know, really, really it boils down to this. As far as origins. Either the Bible's right and an all-powerful God created everything out of nothing, or everything came from nothing with no creator. Either an all-powerful God creates everything, and that explains all the all the all the order and design and complexity and beauty in the world. And that explains why we have an aesthetic nature and a moral nature and why we're different from animals, and it explains all those sort of things. Or time and chance, time and chance produced everything out of nothing. That's your choice. And which one takes more faith to believe? When you look at the world that surrounds you, when you look at the people that surround you, does it look like that everything's the product of time and chance, or do you look like there's an overall planner and designer? Which one is it? Overall architect. Through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. Oh, there's another intervention, the flood. Oh, and by the way, both of those are universal. And the final one will be universal as well. Neither There was not a localized creation and neither was there a localized flood. And neither will there be a localized judgment at the end of time. 
But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. And if you're not a believer, and if you're in sin, that means you're an ungodly person. And maybe you don't like that, but the Bible doesn't apologize for that. And I think at a fundamental level, when I was not a Christian, all right, and I was not living right, I knew I was an ungodly person, okay? That, that was not a mystery. So if you're not going to follow the Bible, if you're not going to believe in God, if you're going to yield to your sins, okay, please be honest about that. And please don't, don't go bush league and don't claim like, well, I'm okay and there's nothing wrong with me and people should celebrate what I'm doing. And no, no, you're rebelling against your creator. You're being ungodly. At least be honest enough to say, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm being ungodly, and I don't care. At least be, I, I can handle that as long as you're honest. Yeah, I know I'm hurting people. I know I'm leading people astray. Well, you're honest. Now, you could be condemned. But a person who at least owns up to that is further ahead in the honesty category than the person who tries to get everyone to celebrate their sin and defend them that's low ball but do not let this one fact escape your notice beloved that the lord with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day now that doesn't mean that every time in the bible you have the word day it was a thousand years long and neither does it mean that god doesn't know how to tell time but what it does mean is that time does not Time does not wear down God like it does people and physical things. In God's scheme of things, when a thousand year ticks, a thousand years finally passes, to him it's like it, it has been just a day. And may I suggest to you, the older you get, you can identify with that. When I was little, the time between birthdays and Christmas was eternity. Now, it's way too short. Right now in my life, a week or a month, a, a week goes by as quick as a day used to go by as a child. A month goes by as quick as a, a week used to go by as a child. So be careful about making the argument like, well, it's the 21st century and Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Uh, time does not. Time doesn't erode God's resolve to do what he said. Time does not age God or wear him down. The Lord is not slow about his promise. So whatever time goes by between Jesus' promise to return, Acts 1, 11, and when he actually shows up, do not interpret that as God hesitating. Do not interpret that as God losing his resolve. Do not interpret that that God has lost his nerve or that God doesn't care anymore. How should we interpret that? The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So why is Jesus not arrived yet? Because God wants people to change their lives. Do not interpret, 
do not interpret the distance in time between Jesus's promise and now as lack of concern. Rather, you need to interpret that as God's mercy that none of us deserve. The reason that Jesus hasn't come yet is God doesn't want anyone to perish. Interpret that, interpret today as opportunity. Interpret today as the chance to change your life and get your life right with God. But for all to come to repentance, which means that all can come to repentance, which means that all could be saved, which means that the people that end up in hell are the people who have chosen hell. They're, they are the people who said, I'm not going to own up. I'm not coming clean. I'm not going to be honest about this. I'm not going to bow the knee to Jesus. I'm not going admit, to admit that God is God. I'm not going to admit that I'm accountable. I'm not going to own up that my sin is hurting me and other people. I'm going to be defiant. I'm going to be rebellious. Well, okay. But God's patience is going to end. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And so heads up, heads up, there's going to be no warning. And there are no signs that precede it. So all those religious groups out there and denominations out there who, are, who have been talking so much about signs preceding the second coming, and it looks like the second coming is near, those people are not reading their Bible correctly. They're ignoring passages like this. The Lord is going to come like a thief, which and a thief does not give any warning. And you might read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 3 on this as well. And the Lord is going to come and it's going to be as, as much inex, unexpected or it will be, you might say, a, a surprise to believers as well as far as the day. Now, we will not be taken back by the fact that there's a God. We're living right every day, so we're ready for it. But if the Lord shows up this afternoon, that's going to be the surprise to everybody. And then it says in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and heavens, it's plural, the atmosphere that surrounds the earth and also where the sun, moon and the stars are, that whole universe out there. The elements, elements are the same elements you studied in chemistry. That chart, that chart is the recipe for all things material. Anything that you will ever encounter in this earth, in this world that is material is made of a different combination of those elements. If those elements are destroyed, nothing physical remains. With intense heat and the earth, that's the planet and its works, Golden Gate Bridge, Empire State Building, Eiffel Tower, the pyramids, the Great Wall of China, you name it. Whatever man has created here, Disney World, gone. And they'll be destroyed. Uh, it's very clear here that we're not going to take this earth and recycle it. The passage talks about the planet being destroyed, everything on the planet, the elements, all those, all the elements that make up all the material things and the heavens. It's gone. So don't buy into people who are saying, oh, Jesus is going to show up and we're just going to live on this earth forever. 
No, the Bible says set your mind on things above. The Bible says you lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. The Bible does not depict an eternity where you as a believer are separated from God still. All right? So don't buy into that. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, that is, yes, they will be destroyed. Don't let anyone deceive you about that. They will be destroyed in this way. That is the way that Peter has described it is the way that it will go down. And that's always been true. What God says happens. What God says is true. Ooh, don't go against scripture. Don't say, oh, the Bible says that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. Really? You might look at God's record, record, look at all the prophecies in the Old Testament. Look at what God said about nations and people in the Old Testament. Ask yourself, did it go down as God said? So what makes you think you're going to be the exception or your generation's going to be the exception to that rule? What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Oh, that's a great question. How should we be living right now? If Jesus could show up at any moment, and at that moment, all opportunity to change your life ends, all opportunity to repent ends. And when he shows up, you're judged for your present condition, not what you wanted to do, not what you wished. There's no hoping and a wishing there. It's who you are, who you are. Are you a believer? Are you faithful or not? And if that could happen at any time, and if the entire physical universe around us is going to be removed, so, hey, hey, you guys, there's no more pot, and there's no more booze, and there's no more porn, and there's no more shiny things. I mean, what are you creating an appetite for right now? And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have a nice house and a cup of coffee in the morning. But I think even believers realize those are not the things that make me happy. They don't keep me fulfilled. I appreciate them. They're nice blessings. But I'm looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. You can have a great cup of coffee and still be miserable. You can live in a multi-million dollar house and still have thoughts of suicide. Yeah, yeah. Those things do not fill you up. What sort of people ought you to be? If it could all vanish, I mean, and where are you putting all your effort? Don't, don't, don't tell me that you're skipping services so you can put in overtime at work. Don't tell me you're doing that. Oh, that's a bad move. That's not a good investment. It could all end tonight. It could all end tomorrow. Where are your where are all your eggs? What basket have you put them into? And have you allowed the devil to say, Yeah, yeah, you're a believer and yeah, Jesus will probably show up, but he's not gonna show up for a long, 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 long time. Really? It could be over any time. Be right with God. Make sure you're right with God now. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, we will see you in the funny papers. <laughs>